Hi, and welcome to another episode of On the Job with Porak. I'm Brian Marvel, president of Porak. With me, as always, is Porak Vice President Damon Kurtz. Today, we have invited Porak legislative advocate Randy Perry of Aaron Reed & Associates to once again provide updates to our members about upcoming legislation that may potentially affect California's law enforcement. Welcome, Randy. Thank you. Appreciate it. It's always good to do the uh, legislative end of session update. The first year of two years is done, so now we have to look forward to the second year. But uh, I figured the highest priority bill we should talk about would be Senate Bill 2. And um, the amount of work that was put into that bill, I was recently at the uh, the Big 50 conference, and uh, I did a presentation on there. And Hopefully, uh, if you're a member of PORAC, you were able to get a copy of the side-by-side of where the language was and where it is today. And I think um, you'd be quite impressed with the the change in the amendments that were provided to the author and the bill from where it was to where it is today. PORAC has always had an act of oppose against SB2, and even as it passed off of the floor, we were still actively opposed to it. The bill is very flawed in a lot of ways, but I guess this is the way our legislative process works. Nobody walks away 100% happy, and I know we're not walking away happy, but uh, considering what it looked like, I I think people should be... um, I don't want to say quite happy because I think that overstates our feelings on it, but um, it's not as bad as it was. And there are issues still with it. And I think we can um, work with our legislative leaders uh, and post to uh, to come to a resolution or a protocol and procedures regarding uh, police licensing in the state of California that um, we can live with. I also want to uh, thank David Mustagny Jr. and Tim Talbot from uh, Reigns Lucia Stern for the amazing amount of work uh, that they provided in support of Randy, who did a phenomenal job at the Capitol in, uh, I don't want to say shuttling this bill through, but you know, working with an author that was very obstinate and uh, uncooperative at many points in the negotiation period but uh, working with the uh, Senate Pro Tem's office and her staff, and then uh, ending up, I guess, with the governor's staff. So I'm going to turn it over a little bit to Randy, and maybe I don't want to give too much inside baseball, but just maybe talk a little bit about uh, some of the inner workings of, of getting that bill to where it is. And I believe it's on the governor's desk waiting for a signature. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, I mean, this bill last year was AB or SB 731, and we were able to hold it on the assembly floor. Um, it was introduced, reintroduced by Senator Bradford as SB 2, and the bill was actually worse when it was reintroduced than SB 731 was. Um, but we were able to negotiate, like you said, we, you know, we don't have to go into all the details of it. We can do something separate on that if you want. 
But uh, through the summer, we were negotiating. And then when the legislature took their four-week summer recess, negotiations ceased, even though we kept pushing to try and get those <laughs> to continue. Um, and then when we came back, the governor's office really stepped in um, at Porak's request. So it was us and the uh, chiefs, actually, who continued the negotiations and we were able to get some language. There were about three different steps along the way where they amended the bill, made it a little bit better, a little bit better, and a little bit better. And the goal there was, you know, it, it's a long game. The legislative process is a long game. And the goal was, in the end, when we finally got to a point of having it on the assembly floor, that we would have taken or forced them to take enough amendments to make it livable. And that's what we did in the end. Like you said, there are going to be some changes need to be tweaked. Um, there were some errors the way it was drafted that everyone admits to. Um, believe it or not, we literally had to uh, find another vehicle, gut that one, and put some of the tweaks into that because there was a mistake done on the drafting. And so that was done correctly. And well, basically, Porak took a position at the beginning of the year that we would rather work with post on definitions than go back to the legislature and ask them to make definitions of what serious misconduct is and all that. So we wanted the bill to be as broad as possible so that post-commission can come in and through regulatory process define a lot of the, the bill itself. And that's, I think, what we were very successful in doing. You know, I, I you know, it's been said a lot of times, but uh, given you guys kudos over there at Aaron Reed Associates and, um, you know, our other, you know, uh, partners in this, in the negotiations and the, the general member, you know, we try to tell them how much goes on with the negotiations and, but I don't think people really understand how much work goes into not, not just the one bill, but all these bills that we're having to deal with and the negotiations that go on behind the scenes, the conversations and, Really, it comes down to, and I preach this a lot, it's about relationships. And now more than ever with our legislature, with a supermajority with Democrat, uh, you know, years past, obviously, when there wasn't, then the negotiations, you had other leverage, right? You had maybe votes on the other side and you had to get to this common ground. And right now, that's 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 not the case. And so the the uh, dependence on the common sense and the, and the relationships we have with our electeds um, both through, you know, our own, through our own associations, our own, uh, you know, districts that we live in, but also through the relationships that you guys have developed over, you know, 30 plus years in, in the business. And um, it shows every year when we're sitting here talking about how we fared. Well, I tell you, it was a rough, it was a rough year. I mean, we went back and we're just starting to go back and kind of, you know, make the, the, the list for you guys of what was introduced. But I mean, Aaron's in my motto for the year was just, okay, one bill at a time, just one at a time, because <laughs> there were over 45 basically police reform bills introduced. And that doesn't include what we call uh, criminal justice reform, you know, where they're trying to roll back penalties and letting people out early and, you know, re revamping the gang definitions for enhancements and things like that. All of those bills are still introduced. We're just here to talk about, you know, briefly a few of them. Yeah, and you know, it was uh, interesting talking to some of the legislatures. Even from the get-go, you could tell a wide margin of legislatures, even even they could see the bias in this bill and the way it was originally set up to be predisposed against the officer that has to uh, to come forward on that. So great work, Randy. Really appreciate it. I 
Damon's spot on. I don't, I don't think our members sometimes understand uh, the amount of work that goes into uh, the legislative process. And, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I wouldn't say a lot, but some folks just feel that uh, we can just say no. And, uh, you know, that may have been something that was done maybe 5, 10, 15 years ago. But I think in today's political environment, unless you can show an option or point to another bill, which we tried to do, it becomes very difficult to be just no. People want to solve problems, whether they're perceived or real, uh, especially at the elected level. Um, so the option of, of just saying no is just not there. So you really have to work uh, as collaboratively as possible to try to find some middle ground. And I think you did that, and I appreciate that. Our members appreciate it. I just keep telling everybody, and I know Damon's doing the same thing, uh, just prep your members that uh, police licensing is, is going to be the law of the land next year, and it's going to come up to post to figure out how to get those licenses to all the peace officers that are actively working uh, in law enforcement right now in the state of California. So moving on, another uh, hot-button bill was uh, I'm going to do SB 16, which is just a continuation of uh, SB 1421. I anticipate that uh, going forward um, every year, we're probably going to see a bill that's going to open up more records uh, in regarding to uh, to police and police-type discipline. That one um, didn't quite take as much work as SB2, but uh, definitely uh, something that members should be aware of. And I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that one, Randy. Yeah, well, that bill was introduced last year under a different number, um, and it did expand 1421, if you remember, uh, SB 1421 was the expansion and the release of documents of officers who were, were doing misconduct. And that bill passed three years ago. SB 16 expanded upon that. One position at PORAC had all the way through was that any of these, these serious misconduct uh, um, acts that occur that are in your in officer's file must be sustained acts. Uh, the bill did not have that. Uh, last year's bill and the year before that, they did not have sustained acts. So an officer would have some type of complaint filed against them for some serious misconduct and it was not sustained or it was unfounded or the officer was just exonerated. Well, that would still be made public and put out there. So people would still judge that officer even though there was possibly completely unfounded allegation. So we fought for the last two years to say that anything that's going to be released has to be a sustained finding. And in the end, um, the, actually the final step before this bill got to the assembly um, floor, the amendments were taken by the author to put in sustained for all of the findings. We're very happy with that. We went neutral on that bill in the end. Yeah, very good. Uh, excellent work on that because I think it's important that it has to be sustained um, before being released. So, Randy, uh, great work on uh, SB 16. And, um, you know, definitely if, if you're listening to this and, and you need more information on SB 2 or SB 16, reach out to your uh, your association leaders or your, uh, your directors uh, for your respective uh, chapters to get more info. Um, one of the other big bills, which actually I didn't believe make it through, was uh, SB 98. This was the uh, the media one, where uh, if you're working a um, 
a demonstration or a riot, somebody could come up to you with a nice looking business card and have one of those fancy cameras and, and we have to treat them like they're legitimate media when in reality they could be anybody. That's uh, Senator McGuire passed that through. Uh, we tried to work with them last year to make amendments. Uh, we do understand and recognize the media has a place uh, and to be able to provide information. Uh, we hope it's accurate, but unfortunately sometimes it's not. Um, and this, I think, created a lot of safety concerns for our membership uh, when they're having to deal with very uh, dynamic, uh, stressful, and dangerous situations that anybody could come up and, and present this, and, and we're supposed to consider them media. So um, do you want to give us a little backstory on this one? Yeah, I mean, we did get several amendments put into the bill, but SB 98 was sponsored by the Newspaper Publishers Association. I think now they're called something else because they're not just newspapers, um, to allow them to have access. The problem was a definition of media. And like Brian said, I mean, somebody could walk up to a command center and say, hey, I want to be let, you know, under the ropes. And they would just have a business card say, you know, I'm a blogger. Or, you know, I have, you know, I'm on Instagram and I have my own, you know, followers. And we just felt that that was loosening up uh, a little bit too much there. The, the senator argued in committee and on the floor that they were simply just expanding to these various situations of, like Brian said, riots or demonstrations. The same kind of courtesies are allowed pretty much anyone when there are natural disasters. Well, at the last minute, we actually showed them a document that came from the sheriff up north, one of the sheriffs up north with the CDC and emergency services where they did a joint document to the media complaining that the media was not only getting in their way, but the media was going on to private property of people's homes where the fires were. And they told them, you shall not go on to private property without the permission of the, of the homeowner or by us and really complain. And so there was a perfect example that he was basing 98 on what happens in natural disasters. In natural disasters, it wasn't working either. So this bill did go to the governor. In the very end, the only change we wanted was to tighten up that definition of media and did not do it. The governor vetoed a similar bill from Mr. McGuire, Senator McGuire, last year, and we have asked the governor to veto this bill as well. Hopefully the governor will, uh, will do that. And we've offered numerous times to work with the senator to try to craft a bill that is uh, uh, that law enforcement, uh, firefighters, Office of Emergency Management, and other public safety groups are, are comfortable with. And I think you really hit it on the nail head about, uh, you know, just trying to make sure that we we get legitimate media folks in there that uh, are getting access to, uh, especially behind the lines of police officers when there's demonstrations and riots going on. And, and even now that letter was, uh, I was very surprised to see that letter uh, about the wildfire situation where they were, they were going on to private property uh, and, and doing stuff on those people's, uh, people's lands. So um, we'll uh, definitely reach out to the governor's office and, and, and try to get them to, uh, to help us with that again. And uh, hopefully the, if it does get vetoed, the senator is maybe more amicable to working with us next year, but, uh, but we'll find out. 
Um, we'll uh, close it up with uh, one of our other last high priority bills. That's uh, Assembly Bill 89. So this bill originally, um, we were opposed to this bill because um, we introduced our own bill. I think it was SB 387 with uh, Senator Portentino. Uh, it was an education bill. Um, I think anybody who is a student of their profession is or should be always looking to improve uh, the way we do things. Um, one of the things that we tried to do was uh, provide um, opportunities for peace officers uh, to either continue their education or uh, get their degrees uh, with funding uh, from the state and also taking a look in reassessing our police academies and working with uh, junior colleges and universities to come up with a police science degree uh, similar to a nursing degree. Um, I personally believe that's the future of law enforcement. If you travel anywhere outside of the United States, uh, you'll see that type of model um, when it comes to being a peace officer in other nations, especially uh, Western nations and, and first world nations, um, use that as a model. Um, I know it's a little bit different here in the United States, and, and some academies varies um, where some are, are fairly short and, and some are quite lengthy. But uh, we really felt it was important to provide opportunities for peace officers to, to continue their education, uh, get bachelor's degrees, get advanced degrees, um, but also uh, working with the state to provide the funding uh, to allow you to be able to, uh, to attain those without having to worry about working uh, a 40-hour full-time job sometimes uh, in those cases. But unfortunately, uh, SB 387 uh, didn't make it. Um, so some of our language was merged into Assembly Bill 89 by uh, Assembly Member Reggie Jones-Sawyer. We were originally actively opposed to this bill because in its basic introduction, he said that you had to have a bachelor's degree and be 25 years old to become a peace officer. Well, we all know of the current crisis uh, facing law enforcement agencies when it comes to recruiting and retaining high-quality members, um, and that would have just devastated the recruitment pool. Uh, candidates for uh, peace officers uh, in the state of California. So believe it or not, we were able to work with the assembly member and I'll turn it over a little bit to uh, to Randy to talk about that. I was very surprised that he, uh, he was willing to work with us on this and I was very pleased at the end with it. Yeah, bottom line is we had been doing for two or three years, we've been doing a lot of research in this area. There were four big studies nationally that, that all four showed that the uh, higher education a peace officer had and in, uh, uh, more training, that the less likely they were to um, use force as their first response, um, that they, they generally would, uh, the study showed that they worked with people on the street, you know, they have better conversations with them and, and the like. And there were, like I said, four strong studies that showed that. So taking from those studies, this is where we put together the original 387. So... I think in the end, uh, AB 89, uh, with all the various changes and amendments to the bill, I think in the end we all decided that we were going to have the community college system work with the post commission, the UC and CSU systems all work over the next year to do a study um, of their own and not just look at the four studies we're referencing, but do their own study in California come back to the legislature with a recommendation of how the future 
education and training of the future officer in California should look. And we will have input on all of that. We will be providing input uh, to this group, PORAC will. We have requested that already. So the bill will be a study bill, and they will come back, do a report to the legislature, and then we'll move forward from there. Yeah, so Randy, I want to uh, thank you for the hard work on AB 89. I think uh, I think it's important. I'm glad that it turned into a study bill because I think it got a little rushed there at the end. And I think this is an important step for our profession on moving forward and what that's going to look like. So um, I think it'll be a great opportunity to work with the, uh, the universities in the state uh, and take a look at uh, maybe the best programs uh, that may be already developed in other parts of the United States and try to incorporate those here in California because um, I think it's important that we try to offer uh, opportunities for our members to to either get their bachelor's degree or a master's degree or higher uh, to improve the profession and, and improve what they're uh, what they're providing to their community. So again, Randy, I want to uh, I want to thank you and Aaron uh, and definitely Michelle. Uh, for the hard work that you put in on this legislative session. Um, I know Damon and I, when uh, this started out, it was, I think it was like 48 or 50 pages of bills that we had to go through. And um, you were right, you know, you just took one bill at a time um, and we and we worked it. And a variety of bills became two-year bills. Uh, some were enrolled in waiting signature. Um, but we did a lot of hard work on, like you said, I think 45, 45 or 47 uh, bills that directly affected our profession. So I uh, can't thank you enough. I Everywhere I go, I, I we got the best advocates in California, and uh, they're doing extremely good work for our members and, and for PORAC. So I really appreciate that. And um, I'm going to close it up here for the uh, legislative update. If you go to our website, uh, PORAC.org, uh, you can check our position on other uh, legislative uh, federally or uh, on the state level. So I want to thank Randy for taking the time to come in uh, and have a brief discussion on our uh, legislative wrap-up. Thank you all for joining us on this latest episode of On the Job with PORAC with Randy Perry. As always, we'd like to close this podcast by thanking all our PORAC members and our nation's law enforcement. We hope you stay safe and have a great day. PORAC is California's largest law enforcement organization and the largest statewide association in the nation, representing over 77,000 public safety members since 1953. Our monthly podcasts, as well as past episodes, are available on PORAC.org, iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, PORAC's YouTube channel, or where popular podcasts are downloaded. Be sure to follow us on all our social media platforms and tag us with your suggestions for future show topics. To learn more about our organization, visit us at PORAC.org. We are Porak.